Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, where our job is to help you build visibility, professional credibility, and connection with your ideal client by putting the human at the center of innovative marketing so you can build and strengthen an engaging, enduring relationship with your ideal clients. I'm Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz, and I'm honored that you're here with me. If you haven't yet joined our wonderful Flyworld Nation community, go to flyworldnation.com and join in the podcast conversations. Do subscribe to the show and also leave a review because it helps others find us. Let's get into today's masterclass on this InnovaBuzz podcast. It's never too late to learn what you wish you knew earlier. So if you're like, oh, it's too late for me to have done business clients, I should have been doing it from the start, or I just survived a disruption or disaster, or I just went through a disruption or disaster and it ruined me and I don't have a business anymore, be ready for next time. Be ready for next time. It's never too late. It's never too late. There's no such thing as the last train leaving town. It's never too late. You can always do it. Just look at investing in yourself as the same as investing in your business and business continuity is that and i will bet on myself and the same thing with investing is betting on yourself and i will bet on myself all day every day to succeed and i hope people feel the same way about themselves too welcome back i hope you've had an awesome week so far Now, I'm really excited today to have on the InnovaBuzz podcast as my guest, Erica Andreessen, a business continuity professional, an army veteran, a lawyer, and a professor of emergency management. After a career working in actual disasters with life and death consequences, Erica saw that business owners needed similar services to survive, but didn't know where to start. She started EAAS Consulting with the goal of keeping businesses in business. She authored How Not to Kill Your Business, Grow Your Business in Any Environment, Navigate Volatility and Successfully Recover When Things Go Wrong, which is a conversational introduction to business continuity. She's been quoted in Forbes, in Dark Reading, Smartsheet and Money Geek. Are you looking to get more out of your business? Our sponsor, Flywheel Nation, has you covered. This community is tailored for high achievers who are ready to transcend the ordinary. As a member, you'll unlock premium resources and form alliances that can transform your success. You'll be immersing yourself in a community where groundbreaking insights are shared, powering your journey of transformation. Ready to skyrocket your growth? Join Flywheel Nation today by heading to innovabiz.co forward slash flywheel. In our conversation, Erica and I explore the importance of business continuity planning. Three key points we covered are how businesses can thrive amidst all kinds of disruptions, why investing in business continuity is essential and should be considered an asset and Erica's innovative approach to enable businesses to stay resilient. 
Without further ado then, let's fly into the hive and get the buzz from Erica Andreessen. Hi, I'm your host Jürgen Strauss from InnovaBiz and I'm really excited today to welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast from Asheville, North Carolina in the USA, Erica Andreessen, who's a business continuity and resilience expert. She's also a lawyer, a professor of emergency management, an army veteran and an author. Welcome to the InnovaBuzz podcast, Erica. It's a real privilege to have you as my guest. Thank you. It's a privilege to be invited and to be a guest. Now, Arla Studley-Cash, who was our guest on episode 452, she introduced us and suggested that we have a conversation. So a big hello to Arlis. Hi, Arlis. Thank you. Now, Erica, you help businesses and you, call, you say not inadvertently kill themselves by teaching them and empowering them about business continuity plans. And I love the the business name, the acronym EAAS, like uh, similar to SAAS, but EAAS stands for Erica as a Service. <laughs> really right. keen to dig into all of those things. Now, before we dig into business continuity uh, plans and, and why that's important, what's the impact you're making in the world today? One of my favorite things, um, and it's wonderful I get to marry two of my loves, which is business continuity and emergency management. And one of my favorite things from anything I've ever taught, it is the whole community response, which is something that was promulgated by FEMA starting back in the uh, Obama administration. So FEMA is the Federal Emergency Management Agency for the United States, and they're the ones who respond to natural disasters. And what they're really trying to do with the whole community response is when it comes to recovery and uh, putting it in the hands of the local citizens, putting it in the hands of the businesses that are there and the entities that are there, because it's really about getting to a return to normalcy. And what makes people and a community resilient is the ability to have something resembling normal, especially after you go through a disaster or disruption, a major dis a disaster that's going to impact your life. And you want something that kind of feels like normal. You're never going to be normal again because what's normal is going to change. It's going to be a new normal. And part and parcel of that is something simple like just going to get a cup of coffee. And if a business is there to be able to do that, serve them a hot plate of food, give them a cup of coffee. That's one thing that gets them closer to being resilient and having a, a return to normalcy. And I think it's really important. I don't think businesses really understand that outside the four walls of their actual brick and mortar location or wherever it is that they're working from, that the impact that they have, not just providing the their services to a community in the good times, but especially in the bad times, just how vital and integral that is. Hmm. Yeah, and and there were some wonderful stories in particularly the early days of the COVID-19 pandemic and lockdowns and where businesses actually went out into the community. And one example that I, I recall was a business that um, it was a cafe and they um, basically went out into the community and provided free coffees to all the office workers that were kind of no longer going to the office. I don't, I don't know where they were gathering, but um, they were doing that. And of course, 
by doing that, they're engaging with the community, they're kind of showing this new normal that you were talking about in, in the times when the disaster was happening by you can still get your coffee. Um, we're still here to provide you the coffee. And, of course, once that uh, situation was over, once people came back into the office, where did they go to buy their coffee? Exactly. Mm. Exactly. And one thing that um, people, a lot of people don't know about, and Anheuser-Busch kind of needs some good PR at this point because they're really being brought through the ringer with uh, something recently for Bud Light. But when there is a natural disaster, since one of the two main ingredients of beer is water, they actually will stop producing beer and can water for, for drinkable, potable water and deliver that to a disaster site. So again, even though they're not necessarily impacted, they businesses do have a huge impact on the community and what they can do to serve the community. Hmm. Yeah, so there's, there's this aspect of we're all part of the community. Every business is part of a, a greater community. And so when there's a disaster in the community, um, being able to tap into those resources and, and for a business to say, well, we can contribute to improving the situation for the community um, simply by doing something that that may not make immediate uh, bottom line business sense, but um, is first of all the right thing to do. And secondly, long term probably does provide a, a return on investment if you're looking at it from that point of view, right? Exactly. And I think a lot of people forget that one of their most important and valuable assets is their reputation. So, you know, when you are there to show up, when you are there, when you have your sign that says, yes, we are open again, or we're even open and welcome, hmm. that is vitally important. Never mind, you know, how much you charge or what your product is, just being present. And you cannot put a price tag on that in a lot of ways. Hmm. All right, well, let's go into the topic of business continuity and um, what you've learnt from your um, work with with disasters and you've worked in actual disasters where it's been a life or death situation that you've had to deal with. Um, what, what are some of the lessons that you've taken out of that that apply to business that that really highlight for people why they should be looking at this seriously well i think one of the things that had inspired me i was in afghanistan um and my job there was a, a lot of things uh but it was making sure what we're doing was illegal because you know i'm a lawyer still recovering but i'm still a lawyer and when we would do some things for risk management, um, just every mission we want outside of the gate of the installation that we were on or the base. We had to do a, a most likely, least likely, most deadly course of action and deadly to us. And always thinking about the mission needs to continue. We still need to achieve our goal. And what is the, how do we plan around that? At the same time, I was also studying and uh, finishing my um, MPA degree. And one of the for one of the courses, I was reading an article from a business review um, journal, and it was asking businesses who had suffered through Superstorm Sandy what a whole series of questions. One of them is what had happened, what was the impact, and the final question is what are you doing for next time? And 
almost every single one of them said, oh, this is not going to happen again. Hmm. And I'm like, wow, you really have no idea that this is going to be a problem. And that's, that was 2016 that I read that. And I was like, you know, I want to, if I ever get out of the military, I want to be able to do this for businesses because they, and especially small businesses, because large corporations and international corporations, financial institutions, higher education institutions, hospitals, they all do this. They all do business continuity. And a lot of small and mid-sized businesses don't because they don't know about it. And it's not like there is a barrier to entry or you need to be a certain size in order to do business continuity. Because like you could scale up, you could also scale down some of the, the things that you do for business continuity. And I find that when I first started working doing response to a disaster, so one of the installations I was on, there was massive flooding outside our gates and also within our gates. And the town outside was flooded and they needed help. And, you know, being the lawyer, I had to look at the authorities we had. We can't just go willy-nilly and give out our equipment or our manpower to help with the community. There are things that, you know, had to be met. And instead of being the naysaying lawyer, it's like, oh, no, we can't, we can't, we can't. It doesn't say so here. It's like, well, this says we can't, but can we this other way? And then having that instant impact of doing something wonderful to help people get over things. And I was like, you know, that's something that really drove me. And thinking about businesses and how much effort people put into starting a business. This is a passion project for a lot of people. And then they have a mission. They want to serve the community. And I think in a, in a very, you know, esoteric way, I see myself as having the ability, and, and as you mentioned in the intro, that I empower business owners with the knowledge of how to do business continuity so they can keep their dream alive because that's what it's a dream that people have. And part of that dream is serving the community. And the other part of that dream is your other most important asset, not your reputation, but your employees. Mm -hmm. So you have employees who are getting paid and they can take that money to pay for their necessities, like their rent, their food, whatever. And then they also get to spend the extra money on things that enhance their lives. And they're getting those things from other business owners who are providing a service to the community by having their dream go on. So it's a beautiful cycle that keeps things going and going. And, and it's wonderful to be able to impart my fingerprint on that. But I'm all about teaching them how to fish as opposed to, you know, mm. giving them fish for dinner. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. And I love that philosophy because it, at some point, um, People are going to have to stand on their own two feet or the business is going to have to stand on their own two feet in relation to everything, but in relation to specifically what we're talking about today and then take that forward into adapting into a different thing. And what you just mentioned there, it kind of we've, we've lived through that recently, right, with COVID-19 where um, governments have locked down communities to try to halt the spread of the disease as a result particularly businesses that have relied on people physically coming into their business location to purchase um, food coffee whatever it might be um, have suddenly uh, that foot traffic has dried up people haven't been able to come into those businesses and then of course they've laid off employees because they haven't been able to carry the costs in that time and then the employees who've been laid off are, are not earning money so they're not going out spending money in places where they could still spend money and and so it, it 
kind of impacted right across the board, ripple waves um, further afield. And now we're kind of seeing a lot of repair work being done there in the sense that um, people are kind of trying to patch up what wasn't there to start with in terms of the business continuity, right? Keeping things going. Right, right. And actually, if I if I could just make two points um, that, that you have in my brain and I don't want it to go away. <laughs> uh, the first is, you know, understand that everybody, not everybody, but a lot of businesses had to pivot and they had to do it quickly. And the thing with pivoting and doing it quickly is you probably did it sloppy because yeah. it's something you hadn't done before. And it's like, oh, everybody else is doing this. We need to do this too because it, it, we need to get on this bandwagon, you know, with a lot with working with Zoom, for example. And that left a lot of vulnerabilities for, especially with the internet, for cyber criminals to come in and do something. And cyber criminals are heartless and they also like to work smarter, not harder. So people are like, oh, they're not going to go after me. I'm just a small business. No, that's exactly who they're going after because it's shooting fish in a barrel. It's really easy just to tie up your system and demand some ransomware for and put you out of business or, you know, ruin your reputation. Because even if you can survive a ransom attack, you still have to convince people that you're safe to do business with. Again, that's how your reputation gets damaged. But also when people had to lay off employees, that's also a disruption. So business continuity isn't just disasters, it's also disruptions to the normal flow of operations. And if you don't have the employees who normally did the workload, you have to now put that on other people to pick up or to let it go hmm. and, and fail. So these are things you also have to plan for and be ready for in order for you to grow and thrive. And that is really the goal of business continuity is to be able to continue operations because risk management only mitigates risk. It doesn't eradicate risk. Hmm. There's still going to be a chance of failure at a certain point. And once you determine what that is and you make your plans and then, and then you're like, okay, I'm ready. And one of the, my two favorite analogies for business continuity is the first one, if you want to go from point A to point B in your car, and if I give you a map with the potholes available on every part of the highway and it's a two lane highway, you'll just like, okay, I'm good. But then as you're driving, maybe some cattle are in the road on the, on the part that's not filled with potholes. Maybe there was a rock slide and no one's coming to fix that anytime soon. So business continuity is when you're stuck and you pop open the trunk, pull out a bucket of asphalt and a shovel, fill up the pothole yourself and keep going. That's one way to think about it. Another is if you have a goal of going for a run in the day, doesn't matter what time of day, the first thing you're going to do is pull out your weather app and look at the, the temperature and the time of day and the weather throughout the day. With one point of data, you become agile. You get to determine when is the most optimal time for you and your body to you to do this run. You're also going to base your clothing decisions on that as well. And it allows you to be successful with the least amount of discomfort. I always say the least amount of discomfort because I'm never going to guarantee you're going to be comfortable, but you'll get there. Yeah, yeah. I love that last analogy because I... I'm a keen cyclist, and I use that uh, use the weather app. is the first thing I do before I um, even put on my clothes. <laughs> Important. I check the weather mm -hmm. app. Uh, wind, wind, and right wet is is the ones mm -hmm. to check. And like you say, I can then plan on first of all from the wind, which direction will I ride? Because um, I generally like to go out into the wind and return home when I'm when I've done quite a bit of exercise return home with the tailwind 
Secondly, what am I going to wear? Uh, thirdly, if there's rain pending, what's, what are the chances of me getting wet? Now, I'd, I'd, if it's raining, I don't go out in the rain. If it's there's a chance of rain, I'll kind of make an, a judgment and say, well, I think I'll get back before the rain. And then, of course, often I'm wrong and I get wet along the way. So that's that's the 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 um, disruption that happens there that I have to deal with. Um, you mentioned before about people saying, well, this is not going to happen again kind of scenario. And, and I wonder... Um, how can we change people's mindset in that? Because something else will happen. Maybe it's not that particular thing that you've just been through, but something else will happen that will either disrupt the business or, or worse. Um, how can we, first of all, change the mindset and what are some of the generic things to put into place that are not specific to, let's say, a pandemic or a flood or um, fires that we have here, um, but that are more generic so that we do become agile, as you mentioned, and can respond to any kind of disaster which we can't foresee. Right. So one of the things that, um, well, a couple of things that make emergency management and business continuity similar is there are, there are emergencies or disruptions that happen every day. But they're smaller scale and they happen with maybe just a hiccup, a pause, if anything at all. But most of the times we're equipped to handle them and it's not a big deal. So with business continuity, one of the first things you need to do is figure out if you have any single points of failure within your business. And it doesn't matter if a hurricane is coming or an earthquake or a tornado or a cyclone or a wildfire. You need to figure out. It could be simply that you're the only person that has all the passwords to everything in the business. And then if you get into a car accident and are incapacitated, I don't want to be morbid and say you get killed, but like if you're incapacitated, how is your business going to run without some backup? And that is figuring out whether or not you have these single points of failure because you want to be flexible, not brittle when something happens. And going through and making sure that you have control measures. So even basic stuff for a fire, regular fire, not a big, you know, hmm. wild land fire. Do you have a um, fire extinguisher on the premises? Do you know where the shutoff valves are for the utilities to prevent any further damage? These are all little things that every business can do, even if you're doing it from home. I work from my home and I have basically emergency managed proofed my home <laughs> as well. I know where everything is. I am fortunately, and this is something that I didn't realize at the time, but it wound up being strategic for me. If you want to expand your business or you're looking for a location, make sure it is on the power grid of the hospital or somewhere that is critical infrastructure. Because when the power goes out, yeah. guess whose power goes on first? <laughs> it's those places. Yeah, yeah. So when they put a, and we get a lot of um, tornado, not tornadoes, um, thunderstorms here that knock out the power. So when the projection is four hours, my power is back on in 45 minutes because the hospital is like two miles away from me. Hmm. So that's, that's something to think about if you're future planning or if you're lucky enough to be like, wait, am I in the power grid of the hospital? I am. Awesome. So um, yeah, seeing if you have control measures and not just identifying. This is one thing. You can go through your business and be like, you know what? Yeah, I only, I'm the only person with my passwords. I have no fire extinguishers. I need to get one. It, oh, I need a backup generator for this. 
But it's another to actually go out and take the steps to change that. Go out and buy the fire extinguisher. Go out and buy the generator. Actually figure out a way to pass on your passwords, but do it in a safe way to only one person and make sure you have some type of like multi-factor uh, authentic authentication. You know what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, authentication. <laughs> <We're> <laughs> just, I've just been working on that for my father, so I, I remember it. Oh, gosh, yeah. Dealing with parents and having um, older parents. And I, my mom loves, she's twice now given out all her PII to some scammer. She's like, but they had a case number. I'm like, oh, my God. No, <laughs> nobody cares about your Amazon spending. Trust yeah. me, they don't want all this information. Stop giving out your social security code to everybody. Yeah. Well, my father had an incident and, and actually it's, I mean, it's a personal situation, but it could happen in business and it is a disaster in some sense. He, um, I suspect he changed his password. I mean, he says, no, I didn't. I suspect he changed his password to his Microsoft account and, of course, his PC to boot it up, he had to put in his Microsoft account to actually log into the PC, otherwise you couldn't get in. And the way he had it set up was such that you couldn't go in as a guest. So the only way you could access the computer was through the Microsoft password. And I and he said, can you help me fix this? So I had a few goes and, oh, what's your password? So we tried all the different passwords that he mentioned. And of course, in at some point, we locked up the account. So ultimately, I managed to get into his Microsoft account through another computer and say lost password and got the password reset through his phone. And we reset it. And that's how I found out oh, it's a different password. You must have changed it. Um, so then we set up a password management system with the two-factor authentication and everything. But that could happen in a business, couldn't it? If somebody just forgets yeah. a password and all of a sudden you're locked yeah, out absolutely. of all your systems. And I think it's wonderful that you did it at a time when your father wasn't like, I need this information right now. It was just a regular occurrence and he figured that out. But imagine if you have to do this and figure this out or work on it in an actual emergency where you need mm -hmm. the information like yesterday and you're the the only way you're going to save your business is by having access information and if you have to fiddle around with it i mean that that is the risk people take will it be just in time or nothing mm. as opposed to just in case and i think like like i said some a lot of these disasters or disruptions are small they're minimal and you you go through them you survive them every day because the systems are working the processes are in place they're working and that is another thing too the problem with um, business continuity is if you don't have a lot of money to spend on it, you need, especially in the way the American um, mindset is, we need proof of concept. We need something sh to show that it was worthwhile, usually within a two-year increment. I don't know why we're stuck on two years, but you know, it's like, but you can't predict when a disaster is going to happen. Hmm. You cannot predict when a disruption is going to happen. And if they don't happen, good. Or if it doesn't happen, it's because you have the systems in place. You didn't even notice it. It was fine. Yeah. But I, I do find that one of the trends is when you have smaller businesses or medium-sized businesses that are actually doing their due diligence with having a business continuity uh, program and testing it and exercising it, after two years, if nothing has happened yet, they're like, oh, we can cut back on the spending. And it's like, oh, no, you're doing so well. Why are you doing that? And, you know, I don't, I don't know how to do the mental shift from making it a... 
an expense into an asset because I see it as an investment hmm. in you and your company and your ability to be around. Everyone's like, oh, I got my marketing dialed in. I got my product dialed in. I got my sales dialed in. It's like, okay, that's wonderful. And that's great that you have these things. But what if you don't have a cash register that opens to take all yeah. that money? And you know, the return on investment is you get to keep making money. You get to stay alive and in business. And even better, you have the opportunity to grow because a similar disaster with your competitors, if they're not ready, hmm. then guess whose market share you're that's taking? Right. Yeah, that's, that's an opportunity, isn't it? Yeah, I like what you said there earlier in terms of thinking of it as a just-in-case rather than a just-in-time because, as you say, when the disruption or disaster happens and you have to respond to it critically, you're likely to do some sort of patchwork to get things happening really quickly. And then if they're working, then you forget about it again, whereas the just-in-case scenario gives you more time to say, well, if if this were to happen and disrupt this operation, what can we set in place that we simply flick a switch in the case that of that event and business continues more or less in best practice manner? So how can we encourage businesses, particularly small businesses, to make that shift in mindset and have that um, just-in-case mentality? That is the million-dollar question <laughs> <laughs> that every business continuity professional has been trying to answer. And I think scare tactics don't work. It's not about, um, you know, I'm not trying to be the boogeyman and saying, you know, these doomsday things are going to happen. But when you when you think about if your plan is to, uh, well, I'll roll the dice and if I have to close, I'll close. And if I survive, then okay, then I'll worry about it then. First of all, how does it make sense to spend hundreds and thousands of dollars after the fact when you could have spent like a few before? Because um, the, the, the rate is it, from every $1 spent, you save $7 on the back end because number one, things are on your terms. And number two, you don't have the unscrupulous people who come in and take advantage of you after the fact. It's like, well, you need me now. I'm going to charge you a lot more money. Um, the other thing is, like, if you're if you're, that is your plan, just to you know roll the dice and maybe you survive, maybe you don't. Is that something you're going to tell your vendors or your yeah, customers? Yeah. Like, it's, hey, this is our plan. It's not very do business with right? us. Yeah. This is our plan. <laughs> you're not you. You would never advertise that because you would never do business with somebody like that yourself. And a quoting, um, paraphrasing, but same quoting, uh, the head of business continuity for uh, Goodyear Tires, his name is Mike Janko. He says, the only thing harder than doing business continuity is explaining why you didn't. <laughs> so imagine having to explain to your, your customers, your clients, and your stakeholders or shareholders, if you're big enough to have shareholders, that you had the opportunity to take care of this in advance and you chose not to. Hmm. And as a result, you have to close. Or as a result, you have to downgrade. As a result, you have to lay people off. As a result, you lost a lot of money. So spending the money, it's also a cost-benefit analysis when you're looking at if you're spending money on the measures for a, a business continuity program, what does that cost look like versus the tanking of your uh, stock value when you can't show up mm. in the aftermath of a disruption or a disaster? Mm. 
So like Southwest Airlines has that problem, had that problem um, this past winter when they were relying on an old system. They they called it the, uh, the pub and spoke. They were using instead of point to point, which other airlines use. And they also had a, a manual system. So they did not know where their pilots and, and flight attendants were. Even if they were sitting right next to their, their boarding deck, they're like, oh, we can actually fly this plane. We're here. Right. But they didn't know because th- th- their system was so antiquated. They were given $7 billion in COVID relief funding. They didn't spend it on upgrading their system, though. So where did that money go? And the amount of – so they have a shareholder derivative act, uh, lawsuit against them right now from the amount of money that they lost due to failing epically this winter. Hmm. And that that's – you know, like I said, I'm not trying to scare yeah, people, yeah. but this is what happens. It's, like your business stops running yeah. and people get upset by it. I mean, in a way, it's something – everybody should look at as insurance right you you pay sometimes quite a hefty amount of money for insurance and that's simply to make sure that you've got financial cover or whatever it is in the event of whatever the emergency is or the the situation is that that insurance insures against and and right. some people I know don't have certain insurances, and I say, well, you know, don't look at it as as an expense. Look at it as an investment, and then be grateful that you don't have to claim on it. Be- right. It's it's a cost. A business continuity is a cost saving program. Hmm. So when you look at insurance, the thing I like to people: yes, get insurance. However, comma realize all that does is shift the financial yeah. burden of the catastrophe. So even if you have a car accident, you are made whole eventually. It's not immediate. You still have the hassle of having to go through the insurance company, the paperwork, having to get a rental car while your car is being fixed. And maybe the rental cost is covered. Maybe it's not. Maybe the person that hit you is underinsured or not insured at all. And that's another, you know, like you're not going to get the amount of money you were expecting. So I, yes, have an insurance, um, have it like an insurance policy that allows you to continue to thrive after a disaster, continues to you to have a business during a disaster. I mean, there are examples of um, uh, when Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico, for some reason, there are a lot of pharmaceutical companies that are headquartered in Puerto Rico. And one of them that did business continuity had a safety supply stock located on the mainland U.S. And the other ones did not. So while most other pharmaceutical companies were down for at least a month, this one particular pharmaceutical company was down for about four days hmm. because they were they had yeah. continuity planning. They had planned for it. And just having a safety supply stock doesn't, I mean, the expense of having that warehouse somewhere else is one thing. But it's not like the stock went to waste. They would just keep replacing the stock as it was starting to expire. It's like, okay, we need to use this. Then we're going to replenish that. And you can do that. Um, I had a client who is a, uh, a baker and I asked her about, does she have a safety supply stock of icing? And she's like, what do you mean? I said, well, how far in advance can you make icing? Because if you have an order due and say your kid has to go to the ER um, or, or the emergency room because of an accident, are you going to have to make a choice between taking your kid to the hospital or fulfilling a client's order. I said, she's like, well, buttercream icing can last a week at room temperature, three weeks in the fridge and six months in the freezer. I said, okay, 
why don't you have one? And she goes, I don't know. I never thought of it. Hmm. And that's the thing too, with having somebody come into your bit, because you cannot edit your own paper. It's really hard for you to edit your own paper. You're too close to it. You know too much. And then you have somebody like me. Of course, I know how to make cupcakes. I'm going to ask you though, like, how do you make cupcakes? Oh, it involves flour and sugar. Where do you get it from? One person? Or do you have a backup for that supplier? Hmm. Oh, no, I just have one. Okay. And you, you need a stove. What if your electric goes out? You have electric oven. What if the electric goes out in your house? Do you have a neighbor's? You can go cook it? Uh, no, I haven't thought about that. Okay, what if the whole neighborhood's power goes out? Can you go somewhere else? No, I haven't thought about that. So to her credit, she did a lot of stuff after the fact. Cause she, was first, she first tried to tell me, thank you for teaching me about business continuity. There's not much I can do until I grow. And I was like, no, 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 no. Hold my beer. There's not much I, you can I, I grow until you, you do. <laughs> Exactly. And that's what she said. I didn't have to tell her that. She did. I followed up with her a couple of weeks after we had this conversation. She implemented a whole lot of stuff. And she's like, I got to tell you, Erica, I didn't believe that I needed business constant until I grew. Now I know I can't grow without it because I now have a level of security that I didn't realize I was missing. Hmm. And I'm like that. Thank you. Thank you. Because again, it doesn't have to be a hurricane. It doesn't have to be an earthquake. It is what if your flower supplier... Yeah can't deliver to you for some reason, especially in France where they had yeah. the, the people, people who were protesting strike, yeah. having to retire yeah. later. Yeah. Hmm. Yes, that's a, a wonderful story and great practical example. And some very simple things that every business, I think, can implement. Um, certainly this idea of getting somebody to ask about the business process and their delivery systems and how do they make money? What What's their key product and how do they do it? And asking questions like, what if? What if the power goes out, yep. which is not an uncommon occurrence? What if the transport workers go on strike and they your raw materials can't be delivered um, for another week and, and those kind of things? Yep. Hmm. Yeah, this thinking, this even looking out into current current events or future predicted events. So, you know, COVID really messed up the supply chain uh, in the United States. I'm not sure how it was in no, Australia, absolutely. but it was, <clears throat> yeah, it was terrible. But if we're looking in the next five to ten years, possibly that there might be a war in the South China Sea area between the U.S. and China, that's going to mess up supply <laughs> chain, right? So, I mean, because the Ukraine with the war in the Ukraine and Russia. That caused, um, it was Newark Airport in the New York City area. They had to delay their opening because when they, they designed it to have a lot of glass and they contracted for the glass to be made in the Ukraine. Then the war started and the men who were in the glass factories learned they had to go to war. So there was a delay in that shipment. So war does mess up a yeah. lot of things. Yeah. And it's not, so like I said, it's not just, um, it, it, you think it's so far away from you. Even with That's September wrong. 11th, the amount of stuff that happened directly in New York City. And I'm from New York City and I was there that day. And the first thing a lot of people don't realize is you're gonna lose your phone capabilities. And like everybody relies on their phone, the ability to communicate. I'm like, guess what? Back then, first of all, all the landlines were just overloaded and tied up. And then the cell phone tower is the same. And one, there was a cell phone tower on top of one of the World Trade Center buildings. So it got knocked out. And I had to, and this is totally dating myself, I was in Manhattan. I had to use AOL IM and I am my friend in Boston and give her my parents' phone number and say, can you call them and let them know I'm okay? Mm. And um, so there's a direct impact to business that was in Manhattan, but places as far away as like Ohio had issues and impacts to their business because planes and flights were grounded for days. 
So things they were expecting to be able to get, they weren't able mm -hmm. to. So just because it's not directly hitting you doesn't mean it's not going to impact right. you and your business yeah. and your bottom line. And with, with the, we're so close these days to everybody else in the world. It's um, like you said, the example in the Ukraine, I mean, the, the impact on wheat supplies and the cost of bread mm -hmm. uh, was one that we noticed straight away. And uh, it's just a, an impact like whatever's happening in some remote part of the world and you think well it's terrible for the people there but it doesn't really impact me um, or I or the other thing of course I can't do anything about it there's we're so closely connected these days that yes it does impact you and, and maybe well certainly you can do something about protecting your own situation and your own business from um, any impact. Well I think if people started to realize that Every business has its own ecosystem as well. So you have all these other parts that are allowing you to thrive and they're not, they're outside your four walls mm. and you have to consider them in, in your planning mm. as well. Excellent. Great message to wrap it up on and move on to the buzz round. Um, it's been wonderful so far. I'm looking forward to your answers to the buzz round, the same five questions I ask of every guest and hopefully you'll give some insightful inspiring answers that'll prompt the listener to take some action today as a result. So you ready? I am. Okay. What's the number one thing anyone needs to do to be more innovative? Um, I think don't make sense to everybody else makes sense to yourself. And that's advice I give a lot of people. And I did it in my own career um, because, you know, you listed a whole bunch of things that I was. I was a corporate lawyer and I started doing pro bono work for veterans. I decided to take a $70,000 pay cut and join the military. Did that make sense to anybody? <laughs> no, not really. And then I was leaving the military. I put my paperwork in in January 2020 for six months later. Did not know a pandemic was coming and the job I was leaving for went away. But I knew Instead, like, I was like, oh, you can pull back your paperwork and stay on active duty with a nice salary and job security. And I decided, no, that doesn't make sense for me. What, what I had to do was leave because the reasons I wanted to leave didn't change because I didn't have a job. Mm. So I left. And it was, then I started doing what made sense to everybody else, which was, all right, keep applying for legal jobs. I didn't want to do anything legal. And then I was like, you know what? No, what I want to do is help businesses survive disaster and disruptions. And I decided to start my own business. And that's where I got to innovate, where I stopped hmm. doing what made sense to everybody else and needed to do what made sense to me. So I think that's something that people need to do to innovate. Yeah, yeah. And part of that is to do a little bit of self-reflection and, and disaster planning as well, but also to have the confidence to say well this is my passion i know there's a need for this out there i know the market and and simply just have the confidence then to to go that path right hmm. all right what's the best thing you've done to develop new ideas um play to my skill set is one of the things um so when i was advised in order to increase my eminence in the field to write a book, they meant it from an academic perspective. And, and I was like, well, who am I writing this book for? Is it 
just to be a business card on steroids or do I actually want to help people? And I was doing a lot of market research and I really, really wanted to help uh, mom and pop type of shops, but neither, they don't have the money or the interest in um, investing in business continuity. They can't. It's, it's too hard for them. So I created the lowest barrier to entry. You know, it's five bucks on Kindle, 20 on a paperback. It moves the needle. And I wrote it the way I talk. And that I was inspired by my students because when I was teaching, it was the first time I was teaching a full semester um, for graduate students. Because I'd given a lot of um, briefings and trainings in the military, you know, one-offs, 30 minutes to an hour, and that was it, repeated over and over again. <clears throat> but doing a sustained semester, the students were like, you know what, we really like you as a professor. You don't talk like a professor. And I was like, I'm not quite sure if that's a, a good thing or not. They're like, no, no, you talk like a normal person. You don't talk from theory. You talk from your experience. And when I gave, when I wrote my book the way I did, I gave it to a lot of people as pre-readers, and one of them was my sister, who has no interest in business at all. And I'm like, I just need to know that you understand this. And she's like, it was actually really funny, and I could hear you the whole entire time as I'm reading it, and it made a lot of sense. And I'm like, that's what I wanted to do. And I, one of my mentors who read it recently, he's like, Erica, why didn't you use this? Why didn't you use this? This is the term that everybody else uses. I said, I'm not writing what FEMA wrote. I'm writing it to make everybody else know what it is because I need to reach my audience because business continuity does not appear in the title. It's not even on the back of the book. It has nothing because business continuity does not have to be a foreign idea to yeah. people. It's something that everybody does every day and it's something people really want to do. So yeah, just understanding what my, my strength was. And that was always my strength as even as an attorney, because I too, like cyber criminals, like to work smarter, not harder. <laughs> I wanted to educate and make my clients understand because if they understood, they could help me. I don't have to do everything. Yeah. And if they also understood, they wouldn't mess up what I was trying to do for them. <laughs> yeah, love it. Work smarter, not harder. Yeah, and um, really knowing how to express things in your own voice, but in your own voice in a way that resonates with your target audience. So, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I have a lot of letters after my name, and I, I could use big words all the time. I can. depends on who my audience mm. is. But at the end of the day, does that tell you I'm a genius? No, it doesn't. It tells you I might be a little pompous <laughs> if I keep using that if you don't understand what I'm mm. saying. I think the goal is to get people to understand the message, and using big words that people don't know is hard mm. in order to achieve that. Excellent. All right. Do you have a favorite resource you use most often? Um, I'm not, I'm slightly, I don't say embarrassed. Um, I'm being really, really transparent. One of my favorite resources I have, uh, I have tarot cards, so I consult, um, the energies a lot. Right. How does that work? <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding. And, and they're, they tend to be pretty spot on. Like if I'm pulling out a tarot card, I'm asking a question about, should I do this at this time? And, and it, if it says yes, then I'll do it. And if it says no, wait. And sometimes the stuff tends to be pretty spot on for what I'm asking. And the things that said no, wait, it's not the time right now. I was like, okay. And I waited and then it came around and it worked out wonderfully after. So yes, that's something. Um, I'm, I'm definitely woo-woo. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, um, I won't go down that path anymore because I think there's a whole episode. Nope. There's a whole episode there because I don't understand anything about tarot cards, so we have to start from scratch and you have to teach me on what's the principle behind it all and how does it work and how do you then apply them. <laughs> but yeah, we'll leave it at tarot cards for today. What's the best way to keep a 
client on track. I think so. I think it starts from the beginning. Um, when I speak to clients who before I take them on, there's an interview process. It's not just I want the client to make sure they want to work with me. I want to make sure I want to work with them. And it's not about money or their stature or what it is that they do. What I want to do is make sure that the person is going to commit to helping themselves and stay on a schedule themselves. So if it's something that they truly want, then I know both of us are going to be happy. I don't want to make somebody unhappy because I can't deliver mm -hmm. because they're not doing the work. And I don't want to get mad at them for not doing the work and wasting my time because that's a resource that I can be spending on somebody else. So the way to make them accountable, the best way is to make sure that they're all in from the beginning. Yeah, yeah that's there's wonderful tips there. It's actually doing something at the beginning to determine are we a good fit for one another? Um, and right. are you going to, are you committed to this goal that, you know, I'm committed to helping you achieve? So really good points there. Right, because I can make money and, and be happy doing it, or I can be, make money and be miserable yeah. and stressed and exactly. want to bang my head against Why would I want to do yeah. that? You're not going to give me a good review anyway, <laughs> right? <laughs> Excellent. All right. And finally, what's the number one thing anyone can do to differentiate themselves? I think it figure out who it is that you are and just let that come through in what you do. Let your freak flag fly. Um, so I, I'm not shy about telling people that I use crystals and tarot because I believe a lot of uh, in energies and things aligning and people working out the way and, and things working out the way they should and higher purposes. And that is a lot driven. I mean, it's all semantics. I call them tarot cards. You can call it the Bible, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is that you work with or use as a guiding light. Don't hide that because it's going to draw the people who want to work with you to mm -hmm. you because they're like, I, I'm like minded or I respect that or I'm intrigued by that. And it comes from a good place. It comes from a place of light and love and just wanting to help everybody. And if, me coming from a place in light and love and wanting to help everybody makes you not want to work with me, then that's yeah. fine. Don't. <laughs> that's right. It goes back to the last question, right? They're not a good fit yeah. anyway. It comes back to the last question. I like the flying your freak flag high. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, how do you differentiate yourself? I mean, it's not an act. I, I you know there's been some recent stuff about, um, especially, I know Australians like to the, because I lived in Australia for a little bit. The, um, the American politics are intriguing to Australians. So there's one, uh, we've got a lot of stuff going on that's just terrible. And one of the uh, congressmen, he came out and he's from North Carolina where I currently live. And he said, you know, I'm walking at these people and they're two different people. When the cameras are there, they're irate, they're angry, they're almost psychotic. But when the cameras are not in, in the meetings, they're closed door meetings, not open to the public, they're reasonable, they're nice. He's like, it's all an act. Hmm. So don't let your freak flag fly just to appeal to people. Let it be authentic. Yeah. Be authentic. Yeah. yeah, Really good point there, being authentic. All right. Well, thanks, Erica. This has been fabulous. Now, where can people find out more about you and the work you do and maybe even reach out and say thanks for what you've shared today? 
Sure. Um, it's easiest way to find me is uh, through my website because I have all my social media linked in off of the homepage. So that's www.eaasc.com. You know, Erica as a service consulting. Uh, the C has to be in there. Somebody else grabbed the eas.com before I did, unfortunately. Um, and if they're interested, I've got a book called How to Not Kill Your Business. Grow your business in any environment, navigate volatility, and successfully recover when things go wrong. So you can learn about business continuity at your own pace. It is only 120 pages, really quick and easy read because, like I said, it's conversational. Plus, there's a music theme. So every chapter is a song title and the lyrics of the song forecast uh, what the chapter is. Um, and... Or you can just send me an email directly at info at eaasc.com. You can find me on, on LinkedIn as well. Again, it's linked off of my main page, but um, people spell my last name wrong a lot. But right. if you want, it's, it's cool. Erica, E-R-I-K-A dash Andreessen, A-N-D-R-E-S-E-N. Excellent. Um, well, we'll post links to all those in the show notes so people can click straight through and make it as easy as possible. All right. Well, Erica, what action would you like our listener to take away from today's conversation? I want them to, the first, it's a two-step action. Number one, it's never too late to learn what you wish you knew earlier. So if you're like, oh, it's too late for me to have done business crimes, you know, I should have been doing it from the start, or I just survived a disruption or disaster, or I just went through a disruption and disaster and it ruined me and I, and I don't have a business anymore. Be ready for next time. Be ready for next time. It's never too late. It's never too late. There's no such thing as the last train leaving town. It's never too late. You can always you can always do it. Um, and just look at investing in yourself as um, and the same as investing in your business. And business continuity is that. And I will bet on myself. And the same thing with investing is betting on yourself. And I will bet on myself all day, every day to succeed. And I hope people feel the same way about themselves too. Excellent. Great call to action there. And um, it reminds me a little of, of the saying, I, I'm not sure, was it Confucius or was it um, Socrates that said the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, the next, the second best time is today. So if you missed the 20 years ago one, yes. do it today. Yes. Hmm. Excellent. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time and your insights so generously with us today, Erica. I've really enjoyed this, learnt a lot. Um, there's been lots of great metaphors that I think highlight why it's so important for every business and even individuals to kind of look at uh, what disaster plans or continuity plans, maybe is a better term, do they have in place? Uh, because it may be a disaster or it may be just a little disruption like a thunderstorm taking out the power that has an impact on you and how what can you have in place that mitigates that impact so that your business can continue to run or if you're doing other things that are important to you that you can continue to do those in the changed situation. So thanks for that. You want to know fun, a quick fun fact? Yeah. A, a quick fun fact. Um, some of the the most amount of disruptions to a business happen uh, as a result of repairmen coming in yeah. because they don't know the, uh, the the standards and procedures and they're not, nobody takes the time to tell them. So they'll do something and they'll actually mess up the vital piece of machinery that they're there to fix or like leave a wrench in the machinery and then the business is down. Yeah, that's right. Well, one of, the, one of the really common ones is uh, just cutting the power lines or cutting the, um, cutting the internet connection. 
somebody digging a trench out, uh, repairing the road out in front. Um, yeah. So. If Google can go down, if Google Drive can go down for a couple hours, you can too, yeah. trust me. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks so much. Um, all the best for the future, Erica, and let's stay in touch. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that insightful and informative conversation with Erica and took something away from her episode, most importantly. So just think about it. It's never too late to invest in business continuity. How to keep your business going, regardless of what's happening in the external environment. Take the philosophy of getting ready for next time if you've just suffered some setback. Let's call it that. And treat that getting ready for next time as an investment, not as a cost. It's an investment. Always invest in yourself and your business. Erica's episode can be found at innovabiz.co forward slash Erica Andreessen. That is E-R-I-K-A-A-N-D-R-E-S-E-N. All lowercase, all one word, innovabiz.co forward slash Erica Andreessen. You'll also find contact information there for getting in touch with Erica, as well as links to the EAAS website, to her book, to her social media pages, and the other resources we spoke about in our conversation today. Now, I appreciate you listening right to the end of this episode. I don't take your time for granted. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed our chat. Now, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with someone you know who will find it equally useful. And you can bookmark this episode by buying the episode token from innovabiz.co forward slash bookmarks. For just the cost of a cup of coffee, you can create an enduring keepsake for yourself of this episode. Half of the proceeds from your token purchase will benefit Erica as the episode's guest, and the other half will help keep the podcast going. It's a really unique way to say thank you to Erica and let her know that you found her episode really useful. Erica suggested that we have a conversation with Mark James of Performance Advisors Group on a future Innova Buzz podcast episode. So, Mark, Keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation from us to the Innova Buzz podcast, courtesy of Erica Andreessen. Thanks for listening. We'd love you to leave a review on this episode. It will help us to make the podcast better for you. Simply go to lovethepodcast.com forward slash Innova Buzz and pick your preferred platform. Remember to visit innovabiz.co forward slash Flywheel and secure your membership to the exclusive Flywheel Nation community where you'll enjoy direct access to our incredible podcast guests, engaging meaningful conversations and participate in connection events designed to elevate your business journey. Don't miss out. Join Flywheel Nation today. Tune in again to the next episodes of the Innova Buzz podcast where we've got yet more fantastic guests lined up. Until next time, I'm Jürgen Strauss from Innova Biz. Remember, be awesome and keep innovating.